Hello, everybody. Welcome to Toddler Purgatory. This is Molly Lloyd. Hey, hey, I'm Blair Brooks. And we are talking today about all of those danger babies. Danger babies. They're not just dangerous. They're danger babies. <laughs> and conversely, we're also talking about kids who are not danger babies, who maybe could use a little injection of courage into their toddler life. Just push them off the cliff. Okay, we'll talk about whether that's a good move or not. <laughs> proverbial cliff, a proverbial cliff. Yeah, so our question today is, is your toddler a danger baby or a safety baby or somewhere in between? And how do we as parents, as caregivers, find the balance between keeping our little ones safe and building their courage? Oh, courage. Tell me about your kids. Are we talking danger babies, two danger babies, or what do you think? No, just one danger baby. Which one? Which you got? I gotta know. The two-year-old is my danger baby. She don't care about nothing. Yeah, she just you know she's. I think it's because she sees the four-year-old and she doesn't know like size proportion or anything. So she's like, whatever. Oh, he's jumping off the couch. Great. Let me go ahead and do this. So she, you think it's more that she's following her big bro, yeah, as opposed to she's always kind of been that kid. Yeah, yeah. And she's just like, there's something about her personality too where she just gives. Zero focaccia breads. Got it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> well, that's pretty amazing, actually, because there's so many good things about a kid who just, you know, goes for it. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking about, you know, danger babies, of course, are the ones with who take great risks, right? Mm -hmm. With great risks comes great rewards. But also... Great heart attacks for the parents because, <laughs> holy moly, oh. did you ever see that video of that kid and the poor parent had put in the doorway, you know, those safety gates that we put in our doorways, of course. Yeah. Not one, not two, not three, not four. I believe it was five, <gasps> one on top of the other to stop him from crawling out. No. But he was such a climber. And that one time, and he's very agile too. So he would like climb up it, do, 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 slipped his body through and then climbed down the other side, not unlike some kind of a primate. It was so wild. Oh my gosh. Yeah, really wild. And it's the kind of thing where as a parent, you go, my gosh, what do I do in this situation? Am I hurting my kid by tempering that natural risk-taking, that natural go-for-it-ness? Listen, do you ever get this, Molly, whenever my kid hurts themselves or whenever they're in a dangerous situation, do you get like this weird sensation in your body? Oh, you mean kind of like a full body heart attack? Like a body attack? Yeah, like a body attack. <laughs> yes. Anytime we're on the playground or anything, when she's going for it, it's just like, <gasps> yes. And it starts at the top of my head and it goes all the way down to my toes. And somehow, this is going to sound weird, it resonates in my pelvic area. Is that weird? But not in a good way. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you something. I get that sometimes. And I do believe it's because that's where the <laughs> former wombs were located. I guess they're still there. But where the child used to reside, I agree. Right. I was actually going to say that, that for me, that burst of adrenaline or yeah. combination of fear and adrenaline and parental instinct yeah. zooms up from that area for me. And I get yes. hot face. I get Yes. Yes. I can immediately get flushed face and I stand up involuntarily. You know what I mean? It draws me up. Yeah. And then you have to make that split second decision. Yeah, that fight or flight kicks in. Yep. Do I go and, you know, whether it's spotting the kid or whether it's, it's not when the kid's falling. When the kid's falling, we're there. We're getting there. We're zooming. We're there. But it's that feeling of like, okay, those monkey bars are way taller than he is. But yep. if he does them, 
he's going to feel great. And he went for it, right? So mm-hmm. it is that split second decision. Is this an opportunity for growth, right? For the building of courage? Or is it right. an opportunity for me to say, okay, this has escalated from risk to danger? Right. Yeah. It's hard. You're better at that than I am. I'm just like, again, yelling because that's what I do best. <laughs> it's your love language. Yeah, it is my love language. I'm just like sitting from the sidelines, like, be careful, get down. <laughs> and mostly why? Because I'm trying to avoid that feeling inside myself. Yeah. Because I feel like it takes years off of my life. Oh, yeah. It's a body tack. It's a body tack. And that's that fear bursting through you like fireworks, like Katy Perry's fireworks. Yes. I imagine you on the playground like Will Ferrell when he's playing that dad at the barbecue <laughs> who's so affable and so nice. And then he's like, get off the roof. Jeremy! Oh, that is me 100%. And all the kids like think I'm fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then my kid does one bad thing and they're just like, oh, ooh, wait. She's the mama not to mess with. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, don't come over to my house for a sleepover. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> but then, of course, there's that other thing where, and this is very prevalent right now with parenting, is helicopter parenting, mm-hmm. right? This is a real thing. Now, here is a definition of it from a little website I like to call Wikipedia, so you know it's real, so you know it's true. It's where I get all of my information from. All of my information, besides that and WebMD. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> no diss to either of those. Good for them. But there's a lot of room in there for what's real. But uh, <laughs> Wikipedia says, a helicopter parent, also called a cosseting parent or simply a cosseter, Oh, which I've never heard, but I enjoy. Yeah, very much. Mostly because it sounds like corset, which I think is not... That far off, right? Uh-uh. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's a parent who pays extremely close attention to a child's or children's experiences and problems, particularly at educational institutions, which I thought was interesting, kind of in a school way, soccer matches and oh yeah, tests and that kind of thing. So helicopter parenting is a real thing. And I think one thing I deal with or like think about is when I'm on that playground, am I allowing my kid to kind of not just spread his wings, but find his wings? Right? He's four years old. Mm-hmm. Or am I inviting danger, danger, danger? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because how can we, we don't want to smush down that gut instinct. But at the same time, we got to keep our kids safe. Yeah. I just bring a big old pair of clippers with me to the playground. <laughs> I'm just like, spread your wings. But listen, you ain't going to get that far. So you don't clip them ahead of time. You do clips on call. Yeah, clips on call. That's me. Yeah, because I'm just like, it's that feeling of like warning, you're going to hurt yourself. And then there's that feeling of like, all right, dude, just do it. You know, like I see that we're not in like grave danger here, Mm -hmm. but you're going to hurt yourself and that's going to be on you. And then there's that other part of me that's like, please don't. Oh, God. Yes. No, no, get down. I love you. I know. It's so hard. I was talking to this a fellow actor once named Michael, and he also, because sometimes I give myself the excuse of like, I'm an older parent. Took us a long time to get pregnant. I got to keep this kid safe or whatever. (laughs) Like, I know. Or that kind of thing. Or, you know, he's an only child. So maybe we are a little doting. We're doting. I truly try not to be a helicopter parent, but perhaps I am a little more aware of what he's doing at all times than I need to be. Right. 
But I spoke with this other parent to a single kid. Single kid? Single child? Only child. Singlet? I call him a singlet. <laughs> and this dude, Michael, was so much like cooler about it. He was like a free range kind of parent a little bit. And the interesting thing is like when you're weighing whether your kid's behavior is dangerous or risky, you really have to look at a million factors. <sighs> the kid's ability to deal with impulses, deal with adversity, where you're located. Yes. I mean, you live on a busy block in Brooklyn. It's going to be a lot different than, you know, a, a very quiet rural area or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, with your own backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with your own backyard. And this guy was a really nice guy. And he said, yeah, we let her. I think both of our kids were similar ages, maybe two-ish. And he just was a more laissez-faire in a very, I thought, healthy way. Right. And I kind of really took that to heart. You know, let them figure it out sometimes. Well, think about also how we grew up, Molly. I mean, like, mm-hmm. my parents would be like, all right, what time is it? Great. Be back in by, you know, the time the street lamps start fading, right? Oh, yeah. When they start kicking in 9 p.m. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We would just like go and just explore and just do whatever the heck we wanted to. And yeah, it was like some things were like super dangerous. And I think about it and I would never want my kid to do it. But we're completely fine, right? Yeah. I just think we have, I think the helicopter thing is so prevalent because we just have so much more information. Yes. And we're privy to like the absolute dangers of things as opposed to our parents who were just like, good luck. Well, so do you think that, because for me, I think that the world is a very different place now. Mm -hmm. So we do have to parent in a different way. But you feel like it's more our access to all the bad and hopefully good, but also all the bad things that could happen. Yeah, I think that ignorance is bliss. Like we just didn't know things back then. Now we know things. So it's like I would never like, we live three blocks from a mall, right? Lucky you. I know, right? It is sometimes quite dangerous with my credit cards. (laughs) That's a different kind of danger. (laughs) That's a different kind of danger, baby. (laughs) But, like, if this was in 1992, am I dating myself? And I wanted to go to the 579, what? (laughs) My mom would be like, yeah, go walk there. I would never let my kids walk three blocks by themselves to the mall. Is that weird? Yeah. But I just feel like I know, like, a little bit more of the dangers of, like, We also live in a city, right? So it's like crossing these streets. These people don't care. These people don't look for pedestrians a lot of the time. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's all these things. And possibly my addiction to true crime documentaries. Oh, it's in your head all the time. (sighs) Sure. Why? But it's an addiction and I love it. Sorry. Well, one other thing that I read about, which reminds me a lot of what you're talking about when we were kids, because keep in mind, when I was seven, Mm -hmm. I believe I was seven Mm -hmm. and my sister was 11. We would, my parents would go to work. Maybe my sister was 12 Mm. and I was eight or so. My parents would go to work and we would ride our bikes. Yep. And we lived in like pretty rural Rhode Island, Mm -hmm. but there was a McDonald's, the big leagues. You know what I mean? Yes. It was practically in those days for us going into the city to go to McDonald's. We were like, oh yeah, McDonald's. (laughs) And it was maybe five miles away. Wow. That is long. That is a journey. It was long. I mean, you know what I should do is I should map it because in my mind it was five miles, but maybe it was 600 feet. <laughs> so I was seven. I didn't know anything about distances. <laughs> but we would ride our bikes. And I honestly believe, like looking back, I do believe it was a different time. It's kind of like what you said. At that time, there were less cars on the road. Yeah. There were less people. People looked at other people. Nobody was on their phones. It was yep. a different time. It was a safer time. Yep. And we would ride our bikes to McDonald's, get that 
cheeseburger, Happy Meal, or whatever it was. Yes. And then ride it back, sometimes stopping at a place called Lake Mishnock in Rhode Island, which is this great lake, going for a swim with our friends, and then keep going back. We'd be home by the time my parents got home. And it honestly taught me independence, for sure. Right? Yeah. It taught me money management, too, because my mom would give us, you know, a dollar, whatever, how much Happy Meals were then. It was 1946. So figure, you know, 50 cents, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. And it really did teach independence. So I feel like finding that balance as parents between danger versus risk versus low risk, which I do believe at that time it was pretty low risk, especially because I had an older sibling with me. Right. I have a question for you. How does this apply to our toddlers, our under six set? Obviously, they won't be riding their bikes to McDonald's anytime soon, although my son would love to. So would mine, and so would I. (laughs) Grab me a number one with a Diet Coke, baby. What's number one? Is that like a classic cheeseburger? What is that? Big Mac. Oh, yes. Are you kidding? Come on now. God, that's good. (laughs) I mean, Big Macs, that is a treat. I'm not going to lie. I would lay in traffic for a filet of fish right now. I'm a filet of fish gal. Oh, yes. Yeah, you better own that. You better own that. <laughs> but now, for, so that would is what I would consider like independence or, or free play, if you will. So free play for the under six-year-old. Oh, did I ask you a question and not let you answer? Uh, Yeah, that's all right. What was it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm a mom. I got mom brain. I don't remember anything. I'm like a goldfish. 30 seconds is all you got. <laughs> And then I got us going, I'm talking about McDonald's fast food. That's what I really just sunk into. I was like, "Mm, McDonald's, let's (laughs) do it. So what I want to talk about was the benefits of free play or that kind of independence, but for kids under six. Yes. So I was reading this research by Kenneth Ginsberg, who's a pediatrician in Philadelphia. And he says that the benefits of free play can lead to learning opportunities negotiation skills, so true, because your kids are out on the playground or out wherever at camp or what have you, dealing with each other, dealing with another human being, right? And of course, sharing and decision making. So I think I'm able to kind of lean into that more now that my kid's four and a half. So my son goes to this play-based Scandinavian school, which I've probably mentioned before. But at first, like when we were like looking at the school, they would invite us to come like look at different classes and how they were outside and their play base freedom. And there is a park right around the corner from us. And there's a ledge that has like, I don't know, there's probably like a five foot drop. So the day that we went to go look at the school and look at these kids play, they were just jumping off this ledge into the grassy. And I was like, all right, great husband, pack it up. We're taking him to a different school. But actually, you know, now he's like, you know, he drags me over there and, and, and shows me how to like jump. I'm like, no, thank you. And now, of course, the two-year-old does it. But there's something about the free play that is very true that Dr. Ginsburg mentioned is that just like this level of independence that it garners that is really like, I can't teach that. Because I'm such a nervous Nelly myself, I would never, ever give the rope enough for him to be like, go ahead, jump off of that, right? Right. Whereas, like, they're, like, they're exploring their worlds and they're seeing, you know, if they happen to jump and something would happen, we're here for them. But it's just kind of like, ah, for me. But right for him at school, it works great. And because of it, he's climbing trees. He's digging in dirt and doing stuff that I'm usually, like, stop it, don't. Get over here! And he's so assured of himself right. that it like it calms my nerves. Huh. 
That's awesome. And that makes me think of a quote that I read about from another educational psychologist, which we'll get into when we get back. We'll be right back, everybody. All righty. It's January, and for me, that means New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you, but eating more healthy foods is always on the top of my goal list. Eating healthy is now easier with Hungry Root, and right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Hungry Root makes it easy to eat healthy. They support all the major diets and lifestyles, including gluten-free, vegan-vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and others. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh high-quality food delivered to your door. They've got healthy groceries and simple recipes all in one place. I love that Hungry Root recommends recipes and groceries based on my taste. I like to take their suggestions, and I always love what I get. My favorite are their burritos. I can quickly heat up a burrito and have lunch with no hassle. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Toddler Purgatory listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash toddler. Don't forget to use our link so they'll know we sent you. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Welcome back. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. So one of the things that I read was a child psychologist who mentioned that one of her favorite movies about like learning courage or getting up the courage. And these are for our not danger babies. <laughs> these are for our kids who may be tentative or just going through a tentative phase. And she quoted the movie, I don't know if you ever saw it, We Bought a Zoo. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen the it. The one with Matt Damon. I think I saw the first part of it. But she pulled a great quote from it, which was that in one of the teaching moments that the dad, played by Matt Damon, was telling his daughter was that you have to have, sometimes you just need 20 seconds of courage, 20 seconds of insane courage to do something. And what she used that for, this is Michelle Borba, an educational psychologist who's talking about this. She changed that to 20 seconds of safe courage. Hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And I am going to apply that as something I learned from my research for this. For my son, he's four and a half. And I swear when he was like in his twos and threes, he'd be the first kid to walk up to another kid and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. Would you like to play? And at a certain point in the last six months or so, maybe a little more, he has found like nervousness or shy, not even shyness. He's not shy, but nervousness or like hesitancy Yeah. in introducing himself. He says to me sometimes, mama, I don't want anyone to think I'm stupid. Oh, come on. That kind of thing. I know. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I'm like, they're going to love you. You know, so he's finding like moments of yeah. self-doubt. And so I'm trying to, as his mom, support him listening to his own feelings and acknowledge those feelings, right? But also to try and give him the courage to go over. So even yesterday, just yesterday, we were at a beer garden, a beer <laughs> garden, and it was very dead there, nobody there, which is kind of why we went. We know that we have plenty of room and it's outside. It's on a river. It's fun. great fun. And these two kids showed up. So of course, I'm like jackpot. He's going to play with those kids. I get to go hang out with my husband. And then a couple of our friends ended up showing up, whatever. But he had that hesitancy. Mama, can you come with me to ask them 
to mm. play with the parachute. We had one of those little plastic parachute dudes mm. mm-hmm. with, uh, you throw it up in the air and then the nylon parachute makes it come down slowly. One time I named her like Brittany because I want to make sure he knew not just men were parachutists. Yes. <laughs> yes, girl. But he keeps going to Frank. I'm like, it's not Frank, it's Brittany. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so because I was so excited that kids were there and I didn't want this moment of hesitancy. I did it. I went, I took his hand and I went over first. I asked the parents if it was okay. And then they said, sure, sure. And I said, this is D, my son. And he has something to ask you. And he stepped right forward and said, do you want to play parachutes? And they both said, yes, these two kids who were so sweet. So then they played parachutes and then they got out the Legos and all this other stuff. And I think back and I think to myself, hmm, at some point, I was kind of taking care of me a little bit because I want to go <laughs> and hang out with my husband. Exactly. But at some point, I think it, I have to fight against, you know, making things easy for him. And I have to say, if you want to play with those kids, you need to go talk to them about that. Yeah. I'm more of that vein. I feel like sometimes I push him a little too much where I'm like, ah, you got to go, right? I'm not necessarily like, all right, honey, let's do this. Mm -hmm. It's also because I, too, just want to have a beverage alone. (laughs) And I'm usually dealing with his sister who don't give no focaccia breads, who's just like all over the place and not caring about people's spaces or feelings. So... Yeah, so I feel like I'm a little bit more on the like, you know, come on, do it yourself, kid. You got this, kid, you know, which is maybe what your kid needs. Maybe, yeah. But you know what? Sometimes I can see and I do have to dial it back where I can, like you see with D, is that I can see it in his eyes where there's a hesitancy. There's that fear. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, okay. All right. Let me just come at this a different way. And not make you feel like you're being bullied. I want to bully my kid. Right. I want to encourage, but not force. Yeah. His therapist bill is going to be long enough. I don't need to add this. (laughs) No, thanks. So this other thing I read in today's parent, Rebecca Weingarten is a child development specialist. And she says, we need to promote constructive failure. Kids can't be afraid to face the normal repercussions associated with taking risks. And some days taking a risk is simply walking up to kids you don't know and asking them if they want to play parachutes. I am all for that. Get, what's her name again? Rebecca Weingarten. She's a child development specialist. Yes, Rebecca Weingarten. I'm all for that. Yeah, I think it's great. And it's like we have to get over our own self. Yeah. We have to get out of our own way to let our kids get out of their own way. Yeah, yeah, totally. So now the reverse. Let's talk about this. What about all the beautiful, unbelievable danger babies out there. And a lot of times this is the adventurous kid, right? This is Mm. the bold kid. This is not a bad kid. This is a, you know, a word we see a lot right now. And I belong to a group on Facebook. It's the spirited kid, right? Spirited kid. Yes. They have the creativity. They have the drive. They have the boldness. So what can we do to make sure that we are saying yes to those impulses because those spirited kids, those bold kids, those adventurous kids are the ones that are going to go out into the world and kick some butt because they're going to take those risks, right? But could those spirited kids like also be the next, what's that show on MTV where all those guys get together and they would just do really dumb stuff and really hurt themselves so badly? Could these spirited kids also, but then again, those kids made a lot of money. Listen, let me not put a crick in these spirited kids' spirit. No. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing too, is that like, I mean, I remember these kids when I was a kid and I was happy and friendly, but 
these were the kids who kind of led the charge. Yes. And I think that's an amazing aspect to them. So how do their parents, the parents of spirited these amazing kids with these bold moves, right? And these big personalities. What can they do to support that while also keeping their kids safe and alive? <laughs> right? Yeah. I'd like to know because I, it seems as though I have a spirited child. <laughs> Great. Well, what I found and what I kind of connected with in this research is it is all about, and this is not going to come as a big surprise, consistency and parameters. Of course. Yes. Right? So you just have to be consistent and say yes to some of those impulses while also making sure they actually don't get hurt. I heard from a friend that Sean White, you know the Sean White, that snowboarder? Yes. Who's also like an insane skateboarder. He's one of these guys who's like, does it all. Yeah. So his parents were incredibly cool. And, you know, growing up, I believe they said that he just kept jumping off the roof (laughs) (laughs) or like of their garage or something. It wasn't too, too high. And they were like, careful, honey. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sean, you can't do that. You can't do that. And finally they said, okay, he's not going to stop. This is who he is. He's adventurous, right? He takes risks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they stacked a bunch of mattresses on the ground and he became the kid who like brought a skateboard up there and did this and did that (laughs) safely. So they provided parameters so that he could still explore his impulses. That's amazing. I am not that parent. I don't think I could ever do that. I don't think I could ever like see my child up on a roof and be like, you know what? This adventure is going to take him somewhere and could open up his heart and mind to just his truer self. I couldn't do that. And I know for my daughter that there are some times where I'm just like, just let her be who she is, right? Let her be who she is. And more than anything, because she is unapologetic. Too, right? That comes with that spirit of children thing. For sure. Where it may not be all physical and it's like in that attitude where she's snatching and she's telling people things and not using her manners, you know? And I'm just like, hey, be nice. Hey, stop it, you know? But I'm just like, wait a second. No, this girl is like asserting herself and doing her, right? Yep. So it's like it's about setting up expectations for your kid. Right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of whether you have a danger baby or a safety baby or somewhere in between, or depending on what phase your kid's going through. Like I said, six months ago, my son wasn't afraid to walk up to kids and maybe in six months he won't. He won't be afraid to do that. So whatever that thing is, but making sure that they can rely on the parameters that you're setting up for them that give them a shape to live in, right? But within that, say yes to who they are because we can't control who these kids are going to be, right? Well, as much as we'd like to. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> All we can really do is control our reaction to them and how we embrace who they are. And it's going to be interesting to see with you, Blair, your two kids and how they are different and how not necessarily that you're going to give them different rules to live by per se. You're going to instill in them the values and the, you know, what's important and keeping them both safe, but how you'll have to kind of shape those rules towards what you see. Yeah. And letting them spread their wings without bringing out my clippers with me to the playground. Yes, exactly. Like, what could saying yes hurt, right? Right. What could it hurt? One of the articles I read I really liked, too, they said, kind of always going back to this danger versus risk thing. How big of a risk are you willing to take? Where do you live? All those things you have to balance for you. What works for you? Mm -hmm. What works for your best friend in your parent group might not necessarily work for you. But like, It's almost like what you were talking about before, like giving a little more rope. How much rope are you Mm -hmm. willing to give while also knowing that you have to grow? It's not just about letting them climb any tree, but letting them know, giving them the parameters. Hey, absolutely try and climb this tree. 
this is what's going to happen if you go up too high. And then let them do it, right? So you set it up for them. Right. So the other thing to think about, so Michelle Borba, who I mentioned earlier, the educational psychologist, this is an article from U.S. News and World Report. She says, why is it important for kids to be courageous? A bold child is more likely to withstand negative peer pressure, say no to temptations that run counter to your family's values. Biggest fear. Yep. And fight the good fight. Courage also has surprise benefits. It boosts kids' resilience, confidence, and willpower, as well as their learning, performance, and school engagement. Interesting. I mean, that all makes sense, right? Duh. Yes, of course. But it's about this time for our sweet little guys and gals who are under six. How can we lay the foundation, particularly those who don't have that courageous, you know, thing about them naturally? How can we help them build that? So we're going to figure that out and solve it after this break. Yes, let's do it. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Look in the living room. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a three-year-old with absolutely no regard for its own personal safety. It's <gasps> Danger Baby. Lock your cabinets, moms and dads, because Danger Baby has super fingers, dexterous beyond their years, and able to open baby-proof cabinet doors with a single click. Danger Baby, small in stature, but capable of scale and dual-sized refrigerators in the blink of an eye. At the park with Danger Baby? Ha-ha, <laughs> that's what you think. Danger Baby saw her opening 15 seconds ago and made her escape. She's halfway across the baseball field by now and heading for downtown. Better hustle, Mom. Recognize Danger Baby by his distinctive cries of, I do it myself! And watch this, Mama. But how will you know when Danger Baby has first entered your home? A look on your head. <coughs> that's premature gray hair. Whatever you do, don't ever leave Danger Baby alone for one minute in the other room, for that's when Danger Baby's most powerful. Cody, honey? Everything okay in there? Hey, sweetie, Mama just wanted to know. What? What? Oh, come on! No! Ugh! Danger Baby. You didn't order one, but you got one, Mama. Good luck, kid. 
Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. Today we're talking about danger babies or safety babies. And I just wanted to like get into it just for a second. I personally don't have like a danger, danger baby. My two-year-old, she's a sassy baby. Mm -hmm. She's got that attitude baby. And she'll do like things that her, she'll physically do things that her brother does. And she don't care. Just confidence. Yeah. But like as far as like physical danger, not so much. And then my four-year-old is just like, mama, this is what's going to happen as I jump off the couch and I will be careful. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He's going to make and narrate documentaries when he's older. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, I hope he's the next Sir David. Richard Attenborough was that Yeah. <laughs> Sir Richard Attenborough. I think you're right. <laughs> that guy. Is it David Attenborough? Oh, dang. Now I don't know. No, no, no. But there is something about seeing these like danger baby kids mm-hmm. on the playground or even some, my son has this one friend. He's actually a neighbor of ours. And this kid on his bicycle, this kid didn't even, like he skipped training wheels, right? He's just had this like balance bike and he's just like, this kid takes off on this bike. And he does No like, fear. No fear. Tricks and stuff and just like... And there's something that is like... Literally, my heart goes deep into my throat. But then there's a part of me that... Damn. I wish I was that courageous. Right. Yes, for sure. Because they... It's almost like, have they not learned fear yet, maybe? Yes. Is there a way we can foster that without having them get too hurt. I want that fearlessness. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of my dear, dear friends has a daughter who is just, I mean, she looks at you and, and you're like, oh, no one controls you. <laughs> Only you control you. And you're three. <laughs> and I love it. And I feel the same way I look at her and I think, if only I could live my life with such wild abandon. Right. We all got together, uh, my group of like my parent group or whatever, parent posse. And, uh, we got together when they all turned two and most of the kids, including my own, there's like four kids in it. And there's three boys and one girl. And the three boys were essentially still toddling around, just like, doop, 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 just found their legs recently, you know. She was like a gazelle, like running across the yard of the house that we had rented. We rented like a a cool little house on a lake. Mm. And then she would jump into the air and land on her butt (laughs) on the lawn. There was no trampoline. There was no, and then she'd stand up and keep running. And I was like, do it again. And at one point, I think I even said to her mom, who's a really good friend of me, I'm like, do you think that hurts her butt? And she goes, not so far. (laughs) And I was like, great. (laughs) That is the exact right attitude to have, right? She's like, I'm embracing the fact that my kid is bold. My kid is a runner. She's an adventurous type, you know? And, you know, if she eventually lands on her butt and it hurts, I'll be there for her. And she was, you know? And it's, yeah, it's amazing to see that, to see those kids, right? Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, that was when she was two. Now she's four, you know, almost five. And I'm sure as she's grown, so too have their (laughs) parameters, their routines, (laughs) their guidelines by which she can live. And I feel like the biggest thing we have kind of learned as far as us as parents is kind of getting out of our own way so that our kids can learn, right? Because we want to savor them and we want to save their feelings. We want to save them from harm, from heartbreak. Yeah. So I guess the biggest takeaway for me today from this convo is how can we as parents keep our kids safe, but also get out of their way 
to make, you know, I had an improv teacher who called it failing spectacularly, right? How can they take risks? Oh, I like that. Yes. I do that often. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) So how can we teach our kids that when they fall, they will get up again? If a kid doesn't want to play, it doesn't mean the next kid doesn't want to, right? So how can we get them to get in there? And I think we can lean on Michelle Borba, who we mentioned earlier in her 20 seconds, building 20 seconds of safe courage. She has a few ways to help your kid foster safe courage. So maybe it's your kid who wants to walk up, you know, like my son yesterday walked to walk up a new group of kids and ask them if they want to play. Or the kids that do those danger babies that are out there who are just like jumping off of roofs, you know, Sean White calls. (laughs) How to rein that in just so that they do have safe boundaries for themselves that they can tune into for themselves. Yeah, those mattresses. Laying down those mattresses. Yeah. And just knowing what they're for and not just saying like, okay, I want you to be safe by jumping onto these mattresses, but you're cool with what you're doing, but I want you to understand that your safety has to be important to you. Right. And balance that with his natural impulses, his or her. So one thing she mentions, which I really love, is literally like bringing courage into your home. How can you model courage? How can you show, whether it's a two-year-old or a four-year-old or whatever, how can you show them courage? Is it when you go to a rally for your favorite politician? Is it a protest? Is it saying, hey, whatever your thing is that you, your value system, you stand up for that, right? And if your kids see that, they'll truly learn that, oh, it's not just about going through life and just taking care of your own. It's about taking care of other people. Who do you stick up for? What do you stand for? And talking about that, talking about the values of your family and what courage means to you, you know? Yeah. And, you know, that kind of ties into show your kids courage. Stop bubble wrapping and rescuing your kids, as Michelle says. And that reminds me of, you know, I went camping with my cousin who's one of my favorite people in the world. And there was, you know, like a, it was at a campground and there was a, Almost like a dance area, like a dance floor, if you will. And we were all kind of standing around the outside. That's my kind of campground. Oh, for sure. And it was sort of like a wedding where they handed out inflatable guitars and hula hoops. And it was truly like a family event. It was pretty awesome. And they were playing really good music and they had DJs and stuff. We were only there for a long weekend. I believe this was on Cape May. We were only there for a long weekend. But there were some kids who had kind of grown up. Spending their summers there, you know, being there all the time. So they really knew each other. And also kids, you know, I can't remember how old my cousin's son was at the time, maybe six or seven. And some of the kids were a little bit older and they all hung out in this group. And kids can be clicky. We know this. We know this. So he really wanted to go and hang out with them. They were the other kids that were at this event. And he was really trying to have courage to do that. And my cousin, she said, go ahead, go ahead. And as he walked up to them, you could kind of sense, even from where we were, like a hundred feet away, that those kids were not into making new friends. They had enough friends, right? They were in that summer camp click feeling. Right. And my cousin turned her back to the scene, if you will, of what was about to happen. And she turned to me with tears in her eyes and she said, Oh, yes. She said, I have to let him do this. He might have been older That's than this now that I think about it. And that was courageous on her part, right? Yeah. Because all we want to do is shield our kids. Absolutely. And it was courageous on his part. He went up and asked them. He might have been a little bit older than six. I can't remember. And asked them. And I was facing them and her at the same time. So I had my sweet cousin in front of me with tears in her eyes, with her eyes closed, just hoping against hope that they would open their circle to her son. But knowing that if they didn't, 
it would be a good learning moment for him. And she had to let him do that. Right. That takes courage because I would have been on the other side of that, just staring him down like, oh, you don't want to play with my kid? You know what? Fine. Fine. No one wants to play with you and you're ugly. How about that? Sometimes I just don't play fair and I have no cr- courage whatsoever. Oh, I wonder where my two-year-old gets it from. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling you probably, well, at that point too, I guess he was a little older. But so anyway, that's one of the things that Michelle Borba talks about. Don't stop bubble wrapping and rescuing your kids all the time. Let them, as my improv instructor said, fail spectacularly. Learn from their failures. Excuse me. I like that. She also has here, dispel the Superman myth. Which I like, which I wish I had, because more than anything, it's like when you grow up and you see your parents for who they really are, it's kind of tough, right? So it's nice to like, yes, just show them that you're human and that you do have to take simple acts of courage to, you know, be a big girl. (laughs) Yeah. Mama's got to be a big girl, too. Yeah, absolutely. And what are those examples that you can show? of people who don't have superpowers, but our superheroes do super things, right? Yeah, like uh, Gandhi, Rosa Parks. There are wonderful people. Can we just do a quick, like, PSA? Malala, can you just come on here and just talk to us? Hey, listeners, if anyone knows Malala personally, just tell her, could you ask her if she come on Toddler Purgatory? Listen, she doesn't need a toddler. Just come on here and just talk to us because we just think she's super cool. She's super. And also, she would be the adult in the room with you and I, let's be honest. 100%. She is 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that's another great thing is reading books about people like Malala. Yes. About people like yes. whomever your hero is. There's so many wonderful people who we can look to as real life superheroes so that the kids don't think that they have to be able to fly to be a strong super person. Yes. 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 Absolutely. And then find, she also mentions this, which I think is really great and good for Listen, all of these are really good for me, myself, and my big self. We are all taking notes up in here. <laughs> We're all taking notes. But she says, find your kid's fear reducer, like self-talk, deep breaths, sharing their fears with a friend, which I think is so important because, and especially in our sometimes misogynistic uh, world that we live in, is that it's like sharing our feelings is a bad thing. Right. But if you do it in a safe space, in which is something I really, really, really try to encourage, you know, getting down on their level, you know, looking them eye to eye, really asking them, like, what's up, right? In a real way. And let's connect, like you and me, let's connect. What's really going on? Yep. I know you're not tantruming because of XYZ. It's probably because of yeah ABC, right? And then also, something it's, it's so funny, it's whenever my son gets like, really stressed out or he's having a cry fit, we do the deep breaths, like take a deep breath, take a deep breath for me. Yes. And now he does it so much that he does it whenever my two-year-old is stressed out. He'll come up to her and be like, all right, Em, like take a deep breath. Okay, ready? We'll take a deep breath together. So it, and it works. It really does. He is such a good deep brother. He's such a good big brother. He is a good big brother. He's a good deep big brother. Yes. And it helps. I'm glad that I'm able to model it for him because I too, I take deep breaths when I need to in front of them. And then he does it and then he's modeling it for her, which is so great and and important. That's, uh, she's going to learn so much from him. Another example is self-talk, which is what you say to yourself before you make a courageous move. Oh, I love that. That is good. 
I know. And every family is different and everybody has to do something, whatever works for you. And it might take some trial and error. I haven't even tried self-talk yet for my son for when he has to do scary things like walk up to a new friend and ask, hi, would you like to play with me? But I think that I'm going to start doing that because I love that idea of whether it be self-talk for him or a family mantra, I can do this or, you know, whatever that thing is, or if it's a song lyric from a favorite song of yours. We love the song Waka Waka by Shakira. <laughs> when you fall down, get up. Oh, oh, if you get down, get up. Hey, hey. It's so good. And I think I'm going to use that because that's us, you know? Yes. That is good. It's such a good song too. Oh, man. I love that song. You know what I did try? I tried to give him one. Another example was a safe space, a place where they get to go. Perhaps it's a quiet reading corner. Perhaps it's a princess cave or whatever. Our friend daughter has a princess cave. It's just a sheet with Elsa on it that's over the back of the couch. I love it. That's princess cave enough for me. I mean, let's do it. Whatever that place is. So I tried to talk about finding the right one for your family. I tried to make one in my son's room <laughs> with one of those like rocket. I got a rocket made out of fabric that hangs from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. I got it from Target. It was in the clearance. I was like $11. I was like, yes. I set it up. I put a pillow on the bottom. <laughs> I put a couple of his favorite books in there and one of his stuffies. And I was like, this, I said to my son, this is where you can go, you know, when you need some time to yourself. The other day I went in there and there were about 15 trucks and a dead plant. (laughs) So maybe that wasn't the one for him. All I'm thinking, I have to go back though to your Shakira. I'd like you to make it a family song slash motto only because I can't wait to hear the story of like D-Man asking like his first going out on his first date and asking them out and just like singing that to himself or going up to them just being like it's like hey uh, Sarah if you fall down get up hey and he starts shaking his hips and Sarah's like okay Uh, okay I'm in yes wherever you wherever you want to take me wherever you want to boogie I'm boogieing with you so what do you think so I guess the upshot is if you have a danger baby yes how amazing for you that you have this courageous bold adventurous kid you can't control them you can only control your reaction to them yes so help them manage their danger versus risk Right? And of course, if you have a safety baby or even a danger baby going through a safety phase, then it's about giving them those tools to build their courage, right? Because they will reap the rewards later on in life. It's about setting up, you know, those expectations of for your danger baby of safety, but letting them flourish, giving them opportunities like free play to explore, you know, their world around them, but also letting them know that safety is going to be your priority while letting them spread their wings. And you're in charge of it. They are in charge of their safety. Mama's only going to be here for so long to tell you, yay, nay, no, down, stop. Yep. You're going to hurt yourself. Don't like that match. Um, Don't do it. So, yeah, give them the tools (laughs) moving through life to make the right choices. Yeah. Build their arsenal. That's what I always say. Build your arsenal. Yeah. That's great. It's about the long game. Isn't that the phrase? The long game? You got to think about the long game. got to think about that long game. And then it also makes me think of lawn games. And then that makes me think of like cornhole, lawn darts, and how dangerous they are. (laughs) Oh, man, Blair, I'm so glad we solved it today. We solved it yet again. You're welcome. Solved it yet again. (laughs) Good for us. Listen, we thank you for tuning in with us and coming along on this journey talking about these dangerous babies and these 
safety babies and to you and yours it's all about that long game darts that doesn't make any sense bye thanks for being here bye guys Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.